from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. On this episode of Newt's World, I have a new book coming out this Tuesday, November 2nd, entitled Beyond Biden, Rebuilding the America We Love. And I'll be devoting the next several episodes of my podcast to cover some of the really key issues that we talk about in the book. Beyond Biden is an invitation to all Americans who love this country and are concerned about the anti-American forces who are trying to actively undermine and break the very fabric of the American system so that we can understand the issues which face us. One issue I do cover in Beyond Biden is reforming to ensure free, fair, and secure elections. And I have to confess, a great deal of my knowledge on this topic comes from conversations and reading over many years with our guests today. The fact is that our guest has been studying the issue of election integrity for many years. He is the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative and senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. And I'm really pleased to welcome my guest and my good friend, Hans von Spakovsky. His new book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote, is available for pre-order now. And I think if you want to really understand what happened in 2020 and what the left thinks they have to do to stay in power, I think you'll find Hans's book very, very important. Hans, listen, thank you for joining me again. The last time you were on the podcast, we discussed H.R. 1 or the For the People Act, which I personally call the Corrupt Politicians Act. 
Can you start by giving us an update on where does that bill stand now? Thanks for having me on the show. Well, that bill, as you know, was successfully stopped through a filibuster in the Senate. Thank goodness for the filibuster. The Democrats then came up with what they called a compromise. This was put together by Senator Klobuchar. It had the support of Senator Manchin of West Virginia. It really wasn't a compromise. I think Senator McConnell said a compromise between the far, far left and the far left. And that's right. It basically went from 900-page bill down to 600 pages, but they, in essence, took all the worst portions of H.R. 1 and stuck it into this new bill. Fortunately, a week or so ago, that also got hung up in the Senate again with a filibuster. So again, successfully stopped. But Newt, there's a third bill already that Democrats are planning to bring up. It's already passed the House. It's H.R. 4. It's the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. And it's also just a terrible bill that would, in essence, give federal bureaucrats inside the Justice Department, the ability to veto election law rules and changes made by the states all over the country, which is really extraordinary, thinking that these bureaucrats would have power to tell state legislators, no, you can't put in a voter ID law or make other changes like that. Didn't the founding fathers, in writing the Constitution, deliberately center election power with the state legislatures precisely to avoid a national centralized dictatorship being able to rig the election? Yes, (laughs) that is absolutely right. They had the foresight to understand that if you gave the central government the ability to set the rules for electing people to the central government, well, then they could set the rules and manipulate them to ensure they stayed in power and that any challengers would not be able to win. And that's why The states have run our elections since our founding, and that's the way it should continue to be. I mean, yeah, you know, you're going to have some states like California and New York who don't do a very good job of running it, but you've got plenty of other states who do a good job of running it, and at least the bad rules ongoing in places like California and New York are not the bad rules everywhere in the country. And that's exactly what these federal bills would do, is implement California-style election procedures all over the country. What do you think is driving the left in this desperate effort to change profoundly for the whole country how we vote and how we count votes? I think it's a drive for power. I mean, look, they want to make it easy to cheat and easy to manipulate election results. And, you know, part of our immigration problem feeds into this because, you know, one of the provisions, for example, in H.R. 1, would have been one to force states to do automatic voter registration from state agencies and federal agencies, which would have, without question, automatically registered people who are not U.S. citizens into the voter rolls. And I think it's because they want aliens who are in this country, whether it's legally or illegally, to be able to register to vote and to not be detected doing it because they think it'll help them get elected and retain power. I mean, it's almost as though they're afraid that in an honest, straight-up election limited to American citizens, that they just lose. Oh, I think that is part of the calculus of what they're doing. I mean, the other kind of rules they want to put in, it's hard to read any motives into them other than bad motives. You know, when you want to put in a provision that would nationally ban all voter ID, 
at the same time that you would require all states to put in same-day voter registration. In other words, states would have to allow somebody to walk into a polling place, register, and immediately vote. Yet at the same time, election officials would not be able to ask them for an ID to authenticate that they really are who they say they are and actually live where they're trying to vote. What other purpose can there be behind that other than to allow people to be able to cheat so they can win elections? I just don't see any other reason for that. The left, including Joe Biden, will scream that this is all racism. But isn't it a fact that even most African-Americans prefer to have a voter ID and prefer to know that the ballot is accurate and honest? Oh, yes, absolutely. The polling here shows the American people are on the side of the reformers. They do not support what the opponents to this are saying. And not only do a majority of Americans of all political persuasions and, frankly, all races and ethnicities support this, but that the polling makes it clear, yeah, they want access. They want every eligible person to vote, but they also want security. They want that eligible individual's vote not to be voided or diluted through fraud and other problems. And the American people are very much in favor of that. You emphasize in your book entitled Our Broken Elections, that you really think that these election audits are valuable. None of them have dramatically changed the ultimate outcome. So what is it that you find valuable about them? Well, look, it's very similar to the fact that every public company in the United States has to undergo an annual audit. And many of them are very good companies that do a good job with the business they're in, return good dividends to their shareholders, but they still have to undergo audits to ensure they are complying with the law, that they're taking all the steps and things that they need to do. It's the same thing with election audits. An election audit after an election is not intended to overturn the election. It's to ensure that all the rules, laws, and regulations applying to an election were followed, that everyone who was eligible was able to vote that the voter list was actually accurate and did not allow people who are not eligible to vote, like folks who've moved out of state to vote, and that the voting equipment was all working the way it should. A lot of folks have pointed to the Arizona audit and said, well, look, there's nothing there because the hand recount matched the machine recount. That's true, but there was no surprise there. All that meant was that the machines were accurately counting the votes that were cast. But that same audit also turned up all kinds of serious potential issues and questions that need to be looked at, such as one claim that there may have been thousands of individuals who were registered in more than one county in the state and cast more than one vote. That needs to be investigated to see if that's credible. Did that actually happen? If so, that problem needs to be fixed. And that's what an audit can turn up. Problems that need to be remedied so that they don't occur in a future election and potentially actually overturn a future election. You know, I wrote in my new book, Beyond Biden, that if we want our elections to be secure, we must have equally robust systems to ensure that absentee ballots are unaltered, uncoerced, and remain secret. What would you do, and what do you see being done around the country so that absentee ballots— I got the sense that the left used COVID as an excuse to simply flood the system with ballots that were uncontrollable— and in many cases, you couldn't track who had voted or who was casting the ballot. Well, you're absolutely right about that. And in fact, that's what happened. They used COVID-19 as an excuse to try to move us as far as possible to mail in elections, which is a very bad idea. Look, there's a whole series of things. 
states like Georgia and Texas, for example, which had good voter ID laws in place, well, they were good laws, but they only applied to in-person voting. So they've extended their voter ID requirements to absentee ballots. If you're going to request an absentee ballot, you should have to provide some form of ID the same way if you're voting in person. Absentee ballots should only be used by individuals who can't make it to the polling place on election day because we want to discourage their use as much as possible. Why? Well, because they're the only kind of ballots that are voted outside the supervision of election officials and outside the observation of poll watchers. So they are vulnerable to being stolen, forged, altered, and voters are vulnerable to coercion and intimidation in their homes by election workers, campaign staffers, and others. Something can't happen in a polling place. It also means you do things like you put watermarks or QR codes on each ballot so they can't be photocopied. So an absentee ballot can't be photocopied with a high-quality photocopier and used to submit fraudulent ballots. It's just a whole series of basic steps like that. But isn't the California Secretary of State actually going in the opposite direction and authorizing that you can print your own ballot? Yeah, he is. And they're now going to mail ballots to all registered voters, which is a real problem because their voter rolls are in such poor condition that you're basically going to have thousands of ballots arriving at people's homes, apartments, condominiums, and places where those people no longer live. And it's highly likely that someone is going to take advantage of that to actually fill out those ballots, forge a voter's name, and send it in. And if you're not asking for any kind of ID, election officials in California will have no idea that this was a forged ballot that's come in. It's really risking the security of the election process when you do that kind of thing. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It's interesting because there was a bipartisan commission back in 2005 that was co-chaired by Jimmy Carter. And it said that absentee balloting was the largest source of potential fraud in American elections. And yet that's exactly what the left wants to maximize. And he was absolutely right about that. And Jimmy Carter would know about this, as you are aware, since he had to go to court. When he first ran for office in the state legislature, because the local political machine had actually stolen his election, and it took a court to overturn it and overturn the fraud that had occurred. If you look through the election fraud database that we now maintain at the Heritage Foundation, where I work, where we have proven cases of fraud, many, many of those cases involve absentee ballots because, again, they're the easiest ballots to steal to alter, to forge, and it's hard for election officials to know that. Look, the other big problem, Newt, as you know, is you're trusting your ballot to the U.S. Postal Service, and they do not guarantee 100% delivery on time of election materials. In fact, the IG report just a couple of years ago, you know what their goal was? Their goal was 96%. In other words, the goal of the Postal Service was that 96% of the time they would deliver absentee ballots on time. That means that 4% of all people using absentee ballots are wasting their vote because it's not going to arrive in time. And the IG report showed that they did not actually reach that goal. And in some jurisdictions across the country, their achieving that goal was a lot lower than 96%, which means a huge number of folks were being disenfranchised if they voted with an absentee ballot. This may be wrong, but I thought there was a case in Pennsylvania in 2020 where a postal worker literally had a truck full of ballots that just disappeared. I don't know about that one, but I do know that a postal worker in, I think it was West Virginia, was recently convicted of fooling around with absentee ballots and making changes in them. We've had similar problems, I think, in Texas, I believe, where a postal official was actually convicted of accepting bribes in a conspiracy engaged in with locals who wanted to steal and change those absentee ballots. That's important because I think there are a lot of Americans, and particularly in the news media, who would like to pretend that fraud doesn't exist. But in fact, because this is about power, and power ultimately leads to money, there are incentives for the professional politicians to try to rig the game if they can get away with it. 
Well, yeah, anybody who doubts that fraud occurs, just a week or so ago, a staffer for a city councilman in Philadelphia was criminally charged and indicted by the U.S. attorney for conspiring to stuff ballot boxes with fraudulent ballots. She was being paid to do so, apparently, by a political consultant there. And this was being done in multiple elections on behalf of multiple candidates for state, local, and even federal office. You've been at Heritage working on this very seriously. Don't you have a pretty remarkably large database on fraud? We do. We have documented cases from all over the country. Folks can access it on the Heritage.org website. We have a map of the United States. You can click on any map and it'll pull up all of the proven cases of fraud in that state. And by proven, I mean someone was convicted in a court of law of engaging in fraud or a court ordered a new election because of fraud or a state agency found fraud like, as you'll recall, just three years ago in North Carolina, the 9th Congressional District, that race was overturned after the State Board of Elections conducted an investigation and said there was massive absentee ballot fraud in that election, and they ordered a new election because of that fraud. Yeah, I have had a long experience with that. Back in 1964, I dropped out of college and spent a year running a congressional race in North Georgia. We had one part of a county that because I had been born in the North and I was an army brat and I had a non-Georgia accent, my own supporters wouldn't take me into part of one of the counties on the grounds that the people who were developing white lightning would shoot me as a revenuer. When you went into those counties, you realized how much fraud there was because in many places, the only guaranteed paying job was a county government job. And so these families really fought over who was going to win the election. And sheriffs, for example, might employ 20 or 25 people. So in a small county, that became a really big jobs opportunity. I've never quite recovered from the realization that they really did have a sort of caveat on tour, let the buyer beware. And their attitude was, if you were dumb enough to be suckered, it wasn't their fault. And it was just an amazing experience, which led me to always think that the work you do is really important because we've sort of drifted back into a zone where people you would think of as smart, well-educated, decent people favor building systems that make theft easy. You know what amazed me about that is you and I both know we see corruption in almost every field, banking, sports, you name it, and we've seen corruption. And yet suddenly the media and others claim, well, the one area where you're never going to see that is in the election process, which makes absolutely no sense, particularly given the history of that in our country. One of the things I didn't understand, and you're an attorney and I'm not, and you're an election law expert, and I'm certainly not, but I don't understand how Zuckerberg could have spent the scale of money he spent, which may now be $420 million, clearly focused on increasing turnout in counties and precincts likely to vote for Biden. How could that be done outside the election law and not somehow be profoundly wrong? Well, I think it was wrong. Unfortunately, I don't think it was illegal. No one had ever even conceived of the idea of private funding of state agencies. And so the idea of having a group give uh, grants 
to county and city election offices around the country. Unfortunately, and I'm not aware of any states that had prohibitions on that. Now, fortunately, that has changed. A number of states, as part of their election reform efforts, I think Florida's did this, for example, Georgia, Texas, all have now banned election offices and agencies in their states from receiving any private funding. But I got to tell you, I think that was one of the biggest factors in last year's election, because this money, which was funneled through a supposedly nonpartisan nonprofit, I think basically moved the get out the vote campaign into government election offices all over the country. And I think it made a big difference in the election. Well, and it's astonishing because the supposedly neutral organization, I think only gotten in 2018, like $1.4 million. And then Zuckerberg comes along and gives them at least $350 million. Somebody estimated it was a 25,000% increase, maybe one of the largest increases in a nonprofit in history. All of it aimed, I think, at turning out votes for Biden and against Republicans. I don't know that the election was stolen on election day, but I am convinced the election was rigged. And part of that was things like Zuckerberg. But part of it, I want to get your reaction to, was the whole way in which the oligarchs in Silicon Valley and the big social media companies, I mean, when Twitter knocks the sitting president of the United States off of Twitter, and then they turn and they knock the oldest newspaper in America, the fourth largest newspaper, the New York Post, off of Twitter two or three weeks before the election because they don't like the way he's covering the corruption of Hunter Biden. It seems to me that they're a piece we're going to have to also deal with in terms of how the election process has been broken. What is your thinking on all that? Oh, I agree. It's interesting. You know, we always point to the so-called robber barons of the 1900s that Teddy Roosevelt ran against because of their great power in the economy. And, you know, they are the reasons we pass laws like the Sherman Act to break up the big trust. But I think the folks who, who run these big media companies today, and particularly the social media platforms, have far more power than they did 100 years ago because they are controlling the information flow that is out there. And when they take sides in an election and they cut off any criticism voiced by one side, I think they are potentially affecting the election in a way that we need to seriously look at and decide whether or not existing laws like the Sherman Act and the antitrust laws need to be applied to break up some of these big organizations if they are violating federal law and what they're doing. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We 
are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The Great American Race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It's interesting because I think conservatives are sort of caught in this dilemma. On the one hand, we believe in private property rights and we believe in limited government and we believe in success. Henry Ford did really well because he invented the first mass-produced inexpensive car and the world was better off because of it. Sam Walton did really well because he invented a form of delivering goods to people at a low cost and people were better off and his family became one of the wealthiest in the world. But on the other hand, we also are very suspicious of concentrations of power. And when you start getting individuals whose personal wealth is larger than a country, so some of these guys are actually wealthier than the GDP, say, of Spain, that's a form of concentrated power that I think we have to really figure out what are the rules of the game and what's legitimate and not legitimate so that we don't allow a handful of people to own the country. I don't know what your thinking has been on this, but it really troubles me to look at the level of power in particular that Twitter and Facebook and Google have accumulated, and to some extent Apple and Amazon, in a way that if they wanted to, they become very coercive. Well, look, my thinking on that is we support open markets. We also support the open flow of ideas. I mean, to me, they're very similar. And what we've always opposed are monopolies. And in fact, monopolies on information are just as bad as monopolies in other parts of the economy. And that's why we've got federal laws dedicated to being sure that monopolies don't occur, that they are broken up. And I think what you're talking about here with a very small number of companies overwhelmingly controlling the market of information are potential monopolies that need to be seriously looked at as potential violations of federal law. I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately, during the Biden administration, because these big organizations are all friends of theirs. But I think it's something that needs to be seriously looked at, because the one thing we cannot have in this country 
is monopolistic control of the flow of information. That's right. It's sobering when you look at how the Chinese communists operate and the degree to which they seek to use various technological instruments of social control and to think that that might in the end come here, which would, I think, be, for all practical purposes, the end of America as we've known it. I agree with that. I just have to ask you this because you've had such a serious professional dedication to election laws and to understanding what's going on. And you've now written a very important book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote, which I think is one of the central issues of the survival of the United States as a free country. But I'm sort of curious, Hans, what's your next big project going to be? Well, the next big project we're already working on at the Heritage Foundation, and that is, you know, I've talked about the election fraud database we have. We are now in the midst of creating an election integrity index. And what we're doing is analyzing the laws and regulations in every single state that we think are important to the security and integrity of the election process. And we are measuring each state as to how good or how bad they are. We have a whole series of factors we're looking at. One of the most obvious ones, of course, is does a state have a voter ID law? Does it apply to both in-person and absentee balloting? And we're hoping by the end of the year that we will have this index up so that anyone around the country, whether you're a member of the public, a state legislator, or others, you'll be able to look your state up and see what the grade is of your state when it comes to protecting the integrity and security of the election process. And we think this will be not only a good measurement, but a tool that people can use in states, for example, that aren't doing very well to go to their representatives and say, hey, you need to make things better in our state. Look how badly we've been rated and look how badly we're doing things when it comes to election. The number of people who are listening to this, Hans, are activists themselves. They want to be involved. What advice do you have for a citizen who wants to try to be part of helping create honest elections? Get a job in every election working in the polls. If you're actually there as an official, you can make sure the law is being followed. If you can't do that, be a poll watcher for a candidate or party official. And the other thing is pay attention to and attend the public meetings of your county election board. It's the county election boards that run elections in your county. They are the ones that are supposed to be following state law. I used to be on a county election board both in Virginia and in Georgia. Unfortunately, the public never showed up. They need to be watched. They need to be questioned. You need to be sure they're doing what they should. And the other big thing is work on your state legislators to fix the vulnerabilities in the system, to do things like pass a voter ID law if you don't already have one and to make other changes that will ensure that we have an election system that provides both access and security. We're talking on the eve of the Virginia governorship, where the left, I think, is just going crazy at the possibility that Glenn Youngkin may win and that the former governor, Terry McAuliffe, may actually lose, which I think six months ago the left thought was not possible. They were so confident that Terry would get reelected. And one of the things I worry about most is in Fairfax County in particular, because it's the largest county in the state, but also in the city of Richmond and at least two counties down along the coast, that there's a real danger of vote theft. Do you have any sense of concern about how these counties operate or any sense of advice for what citizens should be doing to make sure that we get an honest count in Virginia? 
I am concerned. Fairfax County in particular, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lawsuit been filed against Fairfax County, against its registrar, because just like last year, when election officials didn't want to follow state law, the lawsuit claims that the general registrar has told his staff not to enforce the requirement in Virginia law that says that when you request an absentee ballot, one of the ways they ensure that it's really the voter is, in addition to your name and address, you have to put in the last four digits of your social security number. This is a standard security device for absentee ballots. The general registrar who disclaimed the lawsuit has told folks not to enforce that provision, which is an open invitation to fraud occurring in the absentee balloting process. There's also apparently a petition before the governor filed by Democratic officials, again in Fairfax County, asking him to declare a COVID emergency so that the legal requirement for witness signatures on absentee ballots will not be enforced. So again, they would be counting absentee ballots in violation of state law when there's no witness signature on it, no witness to verify it was really the voter to fill it out. So I'm very concerned about this. This is following the same pattern that was followed last year. And it's in line with the fact that the state legislature has, in recent years, been doing things to make our elections less secure by, for example, getting rid of the voter ID requirement for the state. You are probably the leading expert in the country on election fraud, and the work you do at Heritage is astonishing. Your book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote, is going to be on our show page at newtsworld.com so that listeners can pre-order it. And I want to thank you for giving us this very sophisticated briefing on what's happening. And like you, I'll be watching Tuesday to see exactly what does happen in Fairfax. But Hans, thank you so much for joining me. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And I'm also going to be out buying your new book because I'm very concerned about the country and what's happening, not only with the Biden administration, but what we're going to do beyond the Biden administration. Thank you very much, and keep working on this stuff because it's vital to our survival as a free country. Thank you to my guest, Hans von Spakovsky. You can get a link to buy his new book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
if you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 